Well, the past four weeks, we've been learning how to simplify and uh, to move away from a hectic, busy, stressful, jam-packed way of living. And uh, I'm no exception when it comes to trying to learn how to simplify. And uh, I decided to take the advice from the first message in the series, which was on tranquility in life. And um, I listened to Jesus' words recorded in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, to come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. And and that's what I did. I got a one-bedroom cabin uh, for five days out in the wilderness of Wyoming in the Grand Teton National Park, and that's where I lived for five days right there. And I just got alone, uh, just a personal retreat, me and the Lord, and spent time in prayer and spent time quieting my heart before him and reading and studying, digging into the Word of God. And every single morning, I opened the restaurant there at 6.30 in the morning, and I got the same table every single day. And uh, I just spent time reading, journaling, spending time with God. And then every single evening, I force myself to sit still. And if you know me well, I don't sit still very well. And so it was a real work of discipline. So for about an hour every night, I went down to the lake and I sat still. And, uh, and sometimes as I was there, uh, a storm would roll in. And uh, the silence and solitude was deafening and and, and then the rain would start. And just, just listening. No other sounds, just the rain upon the lake. And other nights, the, um, the sunset would just be uh, just a blaze over the mountains and uh, just so pretty. Uh, and I would just sit there and, for about an hour and pray and think and contemplate and take it in. Every day, though, I was exposed to the glory of God. Uh, the majesty of his creation, and the views out there. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Teton National Park, but I would highly recommend it. And uh, literally, I would catch myself gasping out loud at, this, at, at what I saw out there and the beauty of God's creation and, and just verbally thanking him and worshiping him. Just there were wide open meadows in front of mountains and, and lakes. Uh, you know, and you may say, you got that off the internet. I took that with my iPhone, okay? All these pictures I took with my iPhone. Uh, there were trails just lined with reds and yellows through the canyon. I, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, there, there were scenes that were just gifts from God and his perfect timing. And, and I stopped one day at this Oxbow Bend and, uh, and uh, just, uh, well, actually, this is Schaubacher Landing and just the, the reflection of uh, the Tetons with the, with the water. And then the timing of this next one, I, I couldn't have timed this. I, I mean, God just sent this bird right across the river, low-lying clouds, mist upon there. I, I mean, it's just... It's just beautiful is what it is. It is probably one of the best ministry decisions I've made in 21 years of ministering here is to get away by myself to a secluded place and rest. And I completely unplugged. Uh, I unplugged from people. I unplugged from the internet. I unplugged from social media, took it off my phone. And I just stopped and I contemplated and considered life. I want to tell you something. Simplifying is refreshing to the soul. And it helps us regain and it helps us maintain our balance in life. And today we come to the final message in the Simplify series. And it's called Balance in Life. And it's really a summary of the last four messages. And when it comes to balance, I think many of us are confused. 
many of us don't understand what it means to have balance in life. And, and we tend to think of balance or fulfillment in life as ramping up instead of paring down. And we've been watching too many commercials and seeing too many advertisements and listening to too much unbiblical bad advice. It is not about ramping up, but about paring down. And uh, King Solomon is a man who decided to experiment in life. And many of you know King Solomon was the richest man who ever lived, the wisest man who ever lived. And, and he decided that he was going to ramp up and experience everything he possibly could for fulfillment in life and throw himself into every endeavor. And he could do that as the richest man. Now, this is not our main passage, but by way of context, I, I want you to see he's going to share his experience with us in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. I, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with what? Pleasure. So enjoy yourself. So he pursued pleasure with a reckless abandon. Verse 3, I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there was is for this, uh, there is for the sons of men to do under heaven for the few years of his life. So he pursued drugs, okay, alcohol specifically. Verse 4, he enlarged, he says, I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. So he pursued all these building projects in all these various fields is what he did. N next, I possessed flocks and herds larger than any who preceded me in Jerusalem. So he pursued possessions more than anyone else. Verse 7, I bought male and female slaves and had home-born slaves. So he pursued servants and slaves. He had people doing everything for him. Maids to clean and chefs to cook and chauffeurs to drive and people waiting on him hand and foot for everything he wanted. Verse 8. He collected for himself silver and gold and treasures of kings and provinces. So he pursued money, 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 and riches, riches, riches. And he accumulated vast amounts of wealth. Next. I provided for myself male and female singers. He pursued entertainment. He had box seats to everything and anything, people. He was on a first-name basis with the celebrities. Next, I provided for myself the pleasures of men. Many what? Concubines. He pursued sex with reckless abandon. To what extent, Pastor Scott, did he pursue sexual gratification? 1 Kings 11.3, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. Any time of day with any of his thousand women, that's what he had. Verse 9, he became great and increased more than all who preceded him in Jerusalem. He pursued fame. He's got everything the world could offer. So famous, the queen of Sheba in Egypt would pay a special visit and be blown away by Solomon. In 1 Kings 10.5, there was no more spirit in her. She said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it and behold, the half was not told me. 
You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I heard. It wasn't even an exaggeration. They couldn't exaggerate all that you have and all that you've done. Next, my wisdom also stood by me. He pursued intelligence. This guy's IQ was off the charts. He surpassed all men in the history of the world when it came to smarts. Verse 10. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was the reward for all my labor. He pursued over-the-top hedonism, pleasure. He had the power to possess anything he wanted at any time, and he did. And if he wanted it, he got it. Pleasure, drugs, projects, possessions, servants, money, entertainment, sex, fame, intelligence, over-the-top hedonism. That's balance in life, isn't it? Oh, that's where you'll find fulfillment in life, won't you? What was his conclusion? Verse 1 and verse 11. I said to myself, come now and I will test you with pleasure, so enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was what? It was futility. Verse 11. Thus I considered all of my activities when his experiment was over, which my hands had done and the labor which I extended, and behold, all was what? Vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. He comes to the end, And he says, it's futility and vanity and chasing the wind and unprofitable. You know what he was? He was an original member of the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Put the words up there, please. Because I try and I try and I try and I can't get no. I can't get no. Now, I just want to let you know a rare photo of Solomon has been found. They recovered it in a Holy Land dig. (laughs) There he is. Unbelievable. I never imagined David's son Solomon looking quite like that. Solomon had it all. He tried it all. He did it all. And it was all empty. And some of you here today are empty. You know why you're empty? Because you think if I just had that, and if I just did that, And if I just experience that, if I just ramp up and do something new and ramp up and try something different and ramp up and try something else and and I think it'll bring balance to my life and I think it'll bring fulfillment to my life, listen very carefully. Listen. You and I will never be able to do everything Solomon did. You and I will never be able to own all that Solomon owned. You and I will never be able to experience all that Solomon experienced, and we will never have the resources that Solomon had. Listen. Stop and listen and learn and let his emptiness save you the hassle and heartache of life. Stop and listen and learn. And let his experiences save you the hassles of life and the heartaches of life. Because what you think is going to fill you is not.
Stop being a fool and start being balanced. Stop playing the fool and start finding true fulfillment in this life. How do I find this balance? Where do I find this fulfillment? What do I do? Solomon is going to tell us. He's going to tell us what he concludes. After he tried it all and had it all and did it all. See, I want you to understand, he shares his conclusion six different times in the book of Ecclesiastes. He summarizes what life is about and how to achieve that balance and how to find fulfillment. And that's what we're going to learn this morning as we turn to one of those summaries that he he gives us by way of inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this wisdom of God. And it's found in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. As we bring this Simplify series together, starting in verse 18, Ecclesiastes 5.18. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one's labor, in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he's also empowered him to eat from them and receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is what? This is the gift of God. For he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. Finding balance in life. How do I find balance in life? Number one is this. No, it is attainable. It is attainable. Life can be good. Life can be enjoyed. In verse 18, he says, this is what I've seen to be good. This is what I've seen to be fitting. Stop living in defeat, some of you, and stop living in denial of this fact. Stop walking around depressed all the time about life and thinking balance is impossible. Stop looking like this guy I showed you six weeks ago. Stop sounding like that guy. Could be worse, not sure how, but could be. That's Eeyore, don't be like that. Fulfillment, he tells us, is attainable. The problem is we're not looking for it where it's found. We keep ramping up to something new, ramping up to something different, ramping up to something new. You're not looking where balance is found. You're not looking where fulfillment is found. It's not found in the pursuit of pleasure and drugs and projects and possessions and servants and money and entertainment and sex and fame and intelligence and over-the-top hedonism. That's not where it's found. Listen to Solomon. He says, this is what I've seen to be good. This is worthwhile. This is what's beneficial. This is what I've found to be fitting. This is what's proper. This is what is beautiful about life. Finding balance in life. Know it's attainable. Secondly, say it with me. Enjoy the simple things. Say it with me again. Enjoy the simple things. Say it to the person next to you. Enjoy the simple things. Enjoy what you already have. Enjoy what you already do. Look at verse 18. Here is what I've seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, 
and enjoy oneself in all one's labor. He says, I want you to start by simply enjoying your meals. Talk about simple. Slow down. Slow down and enjoy a meal with your family. Make it a priority. Slow down and take a friend out to lunch. Enjoy a meal. Slow down. Stop scarfing down your food like this guy. So many people don't enjoy their meals. They just throw food down their throat. And then they run out the door and they spill their coffee and they're eating in the car and they're swerving all over the place. Slow down. This is what I've seen to be good and fitting. To eat. To drink. Don't rush. Relax. Savor. Taste. Enjoy. This may seem strange, but one thing I did out west was I concentrated on enjoying meals. I'm not real good at that. And I concentrated on whether it was soup and salad or, or whether it was a, a nicer meal. And I splurged for one meal. I went to a lodge, Jackson Lake Lodge, the mural room. Beautiful, beautiful restaurant overlooking this vast meadow and lake with the mountains in the background. And, and, and I intentionally wanted to enjoy this meal. But before I ate, I had been outside and I was watching these elk just move. And the male elks are bugling all over the meadow and there's groups of 20 or 30 elk all over the place. And so before I ate, I was watching the elk in the meadow and, and, then, and, and, and then I made my way into the restaurant and they seated me right on the window. And so I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at these elk and, and, and as I'm watching the elk, they hand me a menu and I open it up and the first thing I see is elk loin. <laughs> and I figure I might as well be eating them if I'm going to watch them. So that's what I ordered. And they're especially good with huckleberry glaze, just to let you know. (laughs) Slow down. Enjoy a meal. Food is a gift from God. We read in Scripture, Psalm 104, 15. And wine, which makes man's heart, what? Glad, so that he may make his face glisten with oil. And food, which sustains, what? Man's heart. See, I want you to understand, there really is such a thing as comfort food. There really is. And God is saying, I I want you to enjoy. I want you to enjoy life. And part of enjoying life is enjoying a meal, sitting down, savoring. Psalm 136, 25, he gives food to all flesh for his loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 145, 15 and 16, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time and you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Now, enjoy a meal, but enjoying a meal does not mean stuffing yourself like a pig. There's a difference. Gluttony is certainly a sin and rampant at times in the house of God among the people of God. Gluttony is a sin. And if you struggle with gluttony, I did a sermon series on the habits. A few years back on on the overcoming journey. We looked at the seven deadly sins plus do, two. And uh, one sermon I preached on that, which is number six in the podcast, was slaying the dragon of gluttony. And if this is an area where you struggle, food addiction and, and food is, is a struggle you have, I want to encourage you. The podcast is free. Get it off of our app, harvestnewbeginnings.com, the app. 
and, and just go to that. Go to our website and, and let the Lord's Word teach you what food is really all about. Enjoy the simple things. Enjoying your meals. There's, there's other things that are simple we can enjoy. And some of the simplest things in life are the most enjoyable things in life. Sitting on a porch, listening to the rain with a cup of coffee yesterday. I did that. It was very enjoyable. Just listening to the rain sitting out there. Warming yourself by a fire. Standing by a river, listening to the water. Watching birds. Some of you have bird feeders and just watching birds eat and bathe. It's just something so simple that can bring so much joy to people. Walking in the woods, especially this time of year with the cooler temperatures and the, and the colors of the, the leaves starting to change. Go for a walk in the woods. Playing with a puppy or a furry fun pet of some sort. Just not a cat, please. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not a cat person. Give me a dog a hundred times over a cat, but anyway. Don't send me emails, please, okay? Be done with it. Some people are cat people, and I'm sorry for you. I'm a dog person, but anyway. Here's another simple joy. How about holding a grandchild? I don't have any yet, but I hear it's wonderful. And I hear it's something that fills your heart like few other things in this life, like holding a grandchild. Simple pleasures of life. Learn to stop and smell the what? The roses or the flowers, but not like this guy. Whoa, 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 slow down, friend. He's type A, always in a rush. Bah, 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 bah. Don't you know sometimes you have to stop and smell the flowers? So he decides to do it. Look. Next frame. He picks up the whole thing. I'm the flower smelling champion. That's not it. Everything is not a competition. Some of you siblings need to hear that. I remember my kids, they'd race to the elevator. Who's going to push the button first? They'd race to the car. Who touches the car first? They'd ra- Everything is not a competition. Everything's not a competition. Take joy in the simple pleasures of life. Ecclesiastes 3.22, I've seen that nothing is better that man should be happy in his activities, including the simple things of life. For that is his lot. For who will bring him to see what will occur after him? In other words, listen. Learn to enjoy the now, not just what's coming. Learn to enjoy the moment, not just what's out there, the simple things of life. Enjoy your meals. Enjoy the simple things. Look at verse 18. He goes on. Enjoy your work. Some of you just felt nauseous. Sorry. (laughs) To eat and to drink and enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun. You need to start finding satisfaction in your work, whatever you do, whether you work at home or whether you commute two hours away, whether you work outside or you sit behind a desk, whether you work with your hands building or making something or or whether you stare at a computer screen all day. Enjoying your work is a key to enjoying life. Enjoying your work is a key to balancing out your life. Ecclesiastes 2.24, there's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is what? His labor is good. This also I've seen is from the hand of God. 
for who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him. In Ecclesiastes 3.12 and 13, I know that there's nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his what? His labor. It is a gift of God. Now, you may say, I don't like my work. Well, then you have two options. You quit and you do something else. That's one option. By the way, when I was out in Wyoming, I don't be mad at me, but I found another church. Here it is. And we're all going. We're all going. Here's the inside of it. So we might need a little expansion progress, but we've got experience in that. But here's the view when you sit on the pews and look outside. You tell me that behind me, you're going to listen to anything I say, please. I mean, anyway, it's unbelievable, the view in that church. So you've got to quit and do something else. You don't like work, or you better start getting creative and make work enjoyable. Get creative, get prayerful, and make it, make it enjoyable. I mean, we spend a lot of time doing our work. You need to start liking what you do. If you don't like what you do, you need to quit and find something else, or you need to get prayerful and creative and learn how to start liking it. Now, we do need to remember, work is called work for a reason. It doesn't mean it's not going to be work. As a matter of fact, he says, enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun. So it's called labor, and he mentions toiling. Not every aspect of work is going to be enjoyable. All of us have to do things in our line of work that we don't like at times. So understand that as well. Finding balance in life. Know it is attainable. Enjoy the simple things. Thirdly. Make the most out of it while you have it. Say it with me. Make the most out of it while you have it. Make the most out of life while you have life. Verse 19. Enjoy oneself and all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him for this is his reward. We are not long for this world. We're not here very long. I mean, we got a lot of scriptural reminders that life is short and they're paired with, with multiple descriptions and illustrations. Look at Job 7, 6 through 7 with me. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to an end without hope. And remember that my life is but a breath. My eye will not again see good. Listen, life is a weaver's shuttle. What in the world is a weaver's shuttle? This is a weaver's shuttle. Go ahead, throw it back up there. It's a tool designed to carry thread thrown back and forth to weave material. So that guy just throws it or that lady just throws it back and forth. You know what he's saying? You're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, I'm dead. That's how fast life is. It's over like that. Weaver shuttle a breath. Life is like a runner. Now you're talking. Job 9.25, now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away, they see no good. You know, it doesn't take long if you've ever gone to a race, a 5K or a marathon or any race, and you see the runners come in, and before long, you don't see them anymore. Ran with a group of guys yesterday. One guy ran ahead of us, and then he was gone. Nice guy. His name is Arthur Gallegos. I got a picture of him as he was going. You've heard of gorillas in the mist? That's Gallegos in the mist right there. 
We didn't see him again. He's gone. He had to get going. That's life. It's here and then it's gone. Life is a short measurement, a mere breath, a shadow, a phantom. That's what Psalm 39 teaches us. Behold, you've made my days as hand breaths. What's a hand breath? Look at the palm of your hand. It's the measurement of the palm of your hand, two and a half to four inches, depending how big you are. That's it. That's what your life is in the eyes of God. My life is nothing in your sight. Surely every man in his vest is a mere breath. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Life is a shadow. It's grass. Psalm 102.11. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. Psalm 103.14. He himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but what? We're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. It's a field flower. The wind passes over it, it's no more, its place acknowledges it no longer. You bloom, and you're gone. I bloom, and I'm gone. Psalm 144.4, man is a mere breath, he is a passing shadow. James 4.14, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow, you're just a what? You're a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes away. It, just like Arthur running into that mist, that mist was only there until the sun came up and burned it off and it was gone. Just like that. It, it's fleeting. It's flying away. Listen, Psalm 90, verse 10. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, what? 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. Soon it's gone and we fly away. Listen, this is what he's saying. If you squeeze 70 to 80 years out of this life, you're ahead of most of the people. How many of you here are above 80 years old? Right here, raise your hand. Anybody here 80 or above? Woo, bonus, baby. You're on bonus time. The rest of us may not even get there. That's what God says. You get 70 or 80, you're You're blessed. God's view of life, weaver, shuttle, runner, small measurement, breath, shadow, dust, grass, flower, vapor. That's you. That's me. Life is short. And not only is life short, life is a gift. Verse 19, during the few years of his life which God has given him. Listen, 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 which God has given him. That means every breath is a gracious gift of God. Each day is a gracious gift from God. Every year is a gracious gift from God that he did not have to give. So so don't take a single breath for granted. Don't take a single day for granted. Don't take a single year for granted of your life. Every one of them is a gift from God. And he says this is your reward, meaning your portion, your share, your allotment. Similar to Ecclesiastes 3.22. I've seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot. Previous verse in 5.18, this is his reward. Ecclesiastes 9.9, enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he's given you to you under the sun, for this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you've labored under the sun. How do we find balance in life? Know it's attainable. Enjoy the simple things. Make the most out of it while you have it. Here's the fourth. Live with gratitude for God's provision. Say it with me. Live with gratitude for God's provision. Now, verse 18, during the few years of his life, which God has given him. Verse 19, as for every man to whom God has given 
riches and wealth. He's also empowered him to eat from them and receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Do you understand this? Look at this. We read given by God, given by God, gift of God. Our life is a gift from God. That's what it is. And we just saw that with every breath and each day and every year. Our wealth is a gift from God. Look at verse 19. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth. Wait a minute, Pastor Scott. God didn't give me no riches or wealth. I worked hard and I made that money. And I was wise and I made my money. Oh, please don't be so arrogant. You would have no money but by God's enablement. Deuteronomy 8.18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to what? To make wealth. He gave you the ability to make money. You would have no, God, no money but by God's enablement. You would have no money but by God's wisdom. Proverbs 3.13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. Verse 16. The long life in, his, in her right hand. In her left hand are what? Riches and honor. And wisdom only comes from God. Of wisdom it is spoken again in Proverbs 8.18. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. God's enablement gave you what you have. God's wisdom gave you what you have. You would have no money but by God's blessing. Proverbs 10.22. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You may say, well, I'm not rich. Uh, hello, you live in America. You are rich if you live in this nation. You have a home, a roof over your head. You drove a car to church. You have two cars. You have more than one pair of shoes. Yeah, you do. You definitely have more than one pair of shoes. Some of you have shoes for every outfit. You are rich. And don't you dare forget it. And don't you dare have an ungrateful attitude that you don't have more. Everything you have has been given to you by your God. By his blessing, by his power, by his enablement, and by his wisdom. And he in all benefits are gifts from God. It says here, he empowered him to eat from them and receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Behold the graciousness of our God empowering us to provide for our needs, his gift. Rewarding us with the fruits of our labor, his gift. Enabling us to enjoy our work, his gift. All of life is a gift from our God. Talk about an attitude changer. When you finally take your thumb out of your mouth and you realize everything you have is a gracious gift from your God, you finally start understanding balance in life. And you finally start understanding fulfillment in this life. By the way, there's no room nor reason for pride in anything that we have, in anything that we've enjoyed. It was John the Baptist who said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. Everything you have is a gracious gift from God. It was James who reminds us in James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from where? Above coming down with the, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Humble gratitude is the only proper attitude. Humble gratitude is the only proper 
attitude. Balance in life. Know it's attainable. Enjoy the simple things. Make the most of it while you have it. Live with gratitude for God's provision. And lastly, verse 20, let gladness of heart erase heaviness of heart. Let gladness of heart erase heaviness of heart. Look at verse 20. For he will not often consider the years of his life. Why? Because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. God does not want us preoccupied with pain and sorrow. Yes, there will be times of pain and sorrow. But that's not where you are to live the rest of your life. You're not to be preoccupied with pain and sorrow. Focusing on the blessings of God will keep us balanced. All that he's done and all that he's provided and all that he's given and all that we have. Enjoying the simple things. Making the most of the time we have. Living with gratitude for all of God's gracious provisions. Because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. Don't be preoccupied with pain and sorrow. Be preoccupied with joy and gladness. Be so absorbed in this life, life's blessings and life's joys. The joys of life are the gifts of God and these gifts keep us from falling into despair. The joys of life and focusing on them keep us balanced. As we enjoy our days, listen, as we enjoy our days, they become years. And those years pass swiftly and quietly and peacefully. God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. He will not often consider the years of his life. And so the days become years and the years pass swiftly and quietly and peacefully. And if God so permits If God so wills, we will end our lives like Abraham. Genesis 25, 8. Abraham breathed his last, died in a ripe old age, as an old man, and what? Satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. May we come to the end of our lives, whenever that is, satisfied with life. Finding balance in life. Say them with me. Know it is attainable. Enjoy the simple things. Make the most of it while you have it. Be grateful for God's provision and let gladness of heart erase heaviness of heart. Let's pray. Just bow your heads for a moment. You who are believers in Jesus Christ, Talk to the Lord right now about balance. Talk to the Lord about finding fulfillment. Talk to the Lord about the simple things. For some of us, maybe it's being grateful for all that we have. Instead of constantly trying to ramp up to something new or something more. 
Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here this morning and the reason that you've been empty is that you've been trying to fill your life with everything but God. And it's time to ask the Lord to fill your life. It's time to let the Lord save you from your sin and forgive you. And you may say, Scott, I want God in my life and I don't even know where to start. But I know that's, that's my biggest issue. In the quietness of this moment right now, I would encourage you to understand the depth of your sin. That we really are completely sinful but that there is a gracious God who wants to save us from our sin. And all we need to do simply is repent, turn from our sin, and turn to God and ask him to save us. If you're ready to do that, I would love to lead you in a prayer, and it's not the prayer that saves you. It's calling out in faith to your God. And so in the quietness of your heart, I would invite you to call out to the Lord in faith right now. Just use words like these. Lord God, I need you. Just say that. Lord, I need forgiveness. Would you please forgive me of all my sin? Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my place on that cross. Lord, I repent of my sin and I turn to you. And I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. Forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.